Journey to Organization, episode 134, In Memorial. You're listening to the Journey to Organization podcast with Rebecca Saltzman, advice to help you clear your clutter and your mind. Hello and welcome to the Journey to Organization podcast. I am coming to you from sort of a sad place. Uh, As you may or may not know, um, two weeks ago I lost my mother and it was a very, very long battle. And today I'm just going to speak to you from the heart, tell you a little bit about my mother and I hope that today's episode um, encourages people, inspires people, and gives my mother's neshama, her soul, a little, a little lift. So many people have been calling me, telling me how much they miss me, and they're really excited for me to come back and put new episodes out, and I'm really excited to be back. <laughs> Um, it's been a little bit of a rough year for me. I think at some point, some of you figured that out. Maybe you didn't, and that's okay too. It's been rough for the last few months for everybody with coronavirus and with all the things that are going on all over the world. And the day before my mom died, I had been learning uh, the book of Yeshaya, Isaiah, and because you all know that I do the 929, which is the daily uh, chapter of uh, the Torah and or the Torah and the prophets and the writings and the whole the whole Torah. Um, and I got a little behind because I had been in the hospital with my mom for a while and I stopped because I was with her and then I just didn't pick it up. So Uh, Over the coronavirus time, I took that opportunity that I was home and that I wasn't seeing clients outside my home to go back to it and catch up. And about two days before my mom died, I came across this really amazing verse that was really applicable to the time of, of everything that was going on in America with you know, all the race issues that were happening. And I thought to myself, it's funny because if I would have kept on pace with 929, then I would definitely not be reading about this right now. And I I thought like, oh, God has a way of making the relevant things come out to you when you need them. If I would have read this verse, I don't know, six months ago, it probably would have just gone right by me. Uh, and the day that my mother died, actually, I had scheduled on my calendar to record a podcast (laughs) and I was gonna say this whole thing about how the Pasuk says, the, the verse says, Lamdu hitiv, learn to do good, darshu mishpat, seek justice, um, ashru chamutz, vindicate the victim. And I thought to myself, like, this is perfect timing, like, learn to do good, seek justice and vindicate the victim. It, it makes so much sense. It's, 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 you know, perfect. And I was going to do a whole podcast episode about that. And maybe I still will, because I think that it relates to 
organization and zero waste. And, you know, I I hope to explain that whole thought process to you because it's not so far fetched how it how it all relates. Um, But I think that that's another episode. But I also think that it relates to my mom. So I'm going to try to get through this episode without crying. <laughs> it, it might be a little hard for me. Everything's still a little bit fresh. But uh, here I go. <laughs> so my mom had been sick for many, many years. She had cancer for many, many years. And she was in remission until a little before Pesach 2019. And... She was in a lot of pain and she was really suffering and despite all of her suffering, she always tried to do the right thing and to be just and to not judge people and she always wanted to make sure that no one was suffering and so I feel like this applies to her as well, this pasuk applies to her as well, that she always... She always tried to do the right thing. And it feels like to me, on the day that my mom died, I was very, very, like, untethered. I didn't know what to do. I had never experienced anything like that before. Um, My father, thank God, is alive and well. Um, Most of my grandparents died before I was born. And my other grandparents, uh, one died when I was in college. And the other one died right after I had twins. And I just wasn't so present when my parents were sitting Shiva to recognize all the nuance of things that happen when you uh, prepare for a funeral or when you sit Shiva. And because of that, I felt like I didn't know what to do. And because there's Corona and so many other things going on in the world right now, there's all these other different changes (laughs) that aren't sort of normal and and the way we normally practice mourning rituals. And I just felt completely untethered and I didn't know what to do. So I sent an email to my rabbi, but by mistake, I sent an email to the wrong address. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, gosh, he usually responds to me so quickly and uh, he didn't, but I didn't want to be a nudge. I figured maybe something happened. He's really busy today. I'll, you know, but I just, I needed to talk to someone. So I called our local Rav in Israel and I couldn't get through to him either. And it didn't matter. I kept trying and trying and trying. And finally, after about four hours, I'm like, this is dumb. I need to talk to somebody. So I called my parents' rabbi and I spoke to him and he finally answered the phone and I spoke to him and he explained to me all the different things that needed to happen and it didn't matter that I had just read the book The Jewish Way in Death and Mourning by Maurice Lamb a few weeks prior. It was like as soon as I had to apply all that information, I just couldn't do it. And even after I spoke to my parents' rabbi, He said to me, you still need to check with your local rabbi and find out what the local custom is because I don't want to tell you to do something that's like totally inappropriate for where you live, which is great and, you know, thoughtful. But still, it was like one more thing to do. But like, even as he was talking to me, I was like, gosh, I really wish 
you would just send me a list of things I need to do. (laughs) And so I felt like totally totally at sea like I, I didn't know what to do and I spoke to my husband and he was amazing and he helped me so much through the shiva period and so I really want to give a major shout out to my husband for being such a mensch and and really helping me so so much um, and you know I've been married for 18 years actually ironically uh I got up from Shiva and the next day was our anniversary. Uh, so that was a little <laughs> change in pace for us. And obviously we couldn't really do anything. So, because, <laughs> uh, you know, we can't go anywhere anyways, really. And, uh, you know, not supposed to do anything really celebratory for the next year. So there's that. But anyway, he loved my mom too. He knew her for uh, 20 almost 23 years and they had a close relationship and I always joke with my husband that if we would god forbid ever get divorced my parents would take my husband in the divorce over me any day uh, because they love him so much and that's great but like even though I was suffering and he was suffering too he still you know, put whatever he needed to do to the side so that I could sit Shiva and really um, pay tribute to my mom. So that was something for me as an organized person that really made me feel like, wow, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And it was very, very unsettling. And once I figured it out, we sort of fell into a rhythm and I, I got like, I got okay with what was happening. Um, I was going to shul to say Kaddish because it was difficult for my father and my brother to say Kaddish at first um, because of restrictions. So I was going to shul and um, actually that was something that really, really threw me off because, and I said, (laughs) I said to my husband, I'm like, I understand. First of all, I'm grateful for not being made a man. That's number one, because I wouldn't really want the obligation of doing this every day but also like saying Kaddish is you know women can do it but it just it didn't feel like the best way to pay tribute to my mom because going to shul every day going to pray with a group of men when I sat in the gallery like all by myself and I wasn't able to lead davening not that I want to necessarily just that it's it's this thing that's happening by yourself and normally for a man it's not happening to yourself you you say the prayer and men and other men respond to you oftentimes you're leading the prayers all together because that's like the right of the mourner and it just didn't feel like an authentic way to to memorialize my mother so I go when I can and I feel like comfortable with that Uh, But doing something that is time bound in that way is really, really difficult for me. And you would think that it wouldn't be so hard because, gosh, I'm organized, right? But here's the thing. Every morning, tefillahs, prayers are at a different time. (laughs) You know, some mornings... 
there a little bit earlier because it's a day that you read the Torah. Some days it's a little bit later. And not every place does it like that. Some days it's just like, oh, it's at 730 and that's it. Uh, and it doesn't matter if it takes a little longer or not. But here in, in our in our shul, it's not like that. And so some mornings it's six o'clock. Some days it's quarter to six. And that's too early. <laughs> I am not a morning person. I think I said this before. I'm totally not a morning person. And so that's a really hard time frame for me. Uh, sometimes we can go to the 730 at a different place. But like, I don't know. I don't like it. It's not my crew. I don't know the people there really that well. And, you know, so that that seven that six o'clock time slot is really difficult for me. In the afternoon, every day it's fluctuating. It's it's seven, it's seven forty, it's seven thirty, it's it's six thirty. Like all throughout the year it's gonna be fluctuating and you have to be like adaptive in your schedule. And it's not something that I've had to adapt to before. And <laughs> It's really challenging for me because I've never done it before. Compounded with all the emotional stuff that goes with it, it's just really a lot for me. And and it doesn't resonate with me. And so I was looking for some other way to memorialize my mother, to pay tribute to her. And I think I found it. And I'm excited about it. And I, it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you yet. Uh, so you're going to have to stay tuned to hear more about it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's a really great way to pay tribute to my mom and to help a lot of people. And so I think everybody who's listening is going to be really excited about it. <laughs> I hope at least. Uh, and yeah. So there's that, and I'm, I'm really excited for it. I want to just uh, say a little bit, I want to just say a few words about my mom, because I think it gives a lot of perspective about um, why I'm organized, and everybody called my mom Ima, <laughs> the Hebrew word for mom. It didn't matter who she was, who she was to you or who you were to her. She was just the Ima. We called her that. My cousins called her that. Uh, my friends called her that. Like, people just called her that. That's who she, that's who she was. She was mother to all. Everyone was welcome in her home. And she never, ever, ever got upset at a guest. It didn't matter how long you stayed. You were welcome for as long as you wanted. I remember one guest once <laughs> a, a daughter of my mom's friend got chicken pox while she was staying with us and had to extend her stay by like two weeks till she recovered because she couldn't travel and my mom took care of her faithfully and that's what she did she tried to help whoever crushed her threshold and sometimes she did a great job and sometimes the person didn't want to help my mother was offering and that was okay too and my mom said you know Whatever they need, that's that's what they'll get from her. And she was just really, really great at at being a hostess. She kept things, you know, just in case, which is some place that we sometimes butted heads. 
uh, just in case we have a guest who has a baby. She kept a crib. <laughs> it wasn't enough that she also had a pack and play. She had to have a crib. She always kept extra toothbrushes on hand. She had towels reserved just for guests. She know she knew how to make people feel comfortable when they were visiting her house. Whenever one of my friends would need a place to stay, she would welcome them. I had one friend once who who was a boarder and didn't want to stay at her boarder family because there was a major snowstorm coming. My mom did not care that my friend would be in the house with us for, you know, at least a week, <laughs> you know, and that she was feeding another person for at least a week. She just was like, if this will make her life better, then please tell her to come. When other people needed to be taken in, she did it. She didn't hesitate. She just did it. Wherever she could help someone, she did her best to help someone. And it wasn't just taking people in in that way. It was if we asked to have someone come for a holiday or Shabbat, the answer was almost always yes. And, you know, they could come and be part of our family. And she loved it. And it and it fed her soul. She lived from holiday to holiday. She was always thinking about, you know, who we would have for Shabbat and what we would be eating. And as soon as Hanukkah was over, it was time to get ready for Pesach. <laughs> Actually, as soon as Sukkot was over, it was time to get ready for Pesach. Like she always had it in mind, like a holiday. She just, she was ready. And the thing is, she made it look so effortless. Even as she got sick and needed more help, uh, it just was effortless. She, she never, I, I don't really remember ever seeing her make a list. <laughs> I'm sure she must have, but I, I just don't remember it. She must have handed my father grocery lists uh, to, to tell him to go shopping because uh, as the years went on, he, he became responsible for the shopping. But, uh, you know, I never remember a list. She just knew what she needed to do and she did it. And here's the thing about my mom that I think is probably one of the greatest lessons that she has ever taught me is that you don't need to make lots of new fancy dishes to make a holiday special. There's something about the tradition of making the same thing that, number one, makes your life easier, but also gives you comfort. For example, on Rosh Hashanah, my mother would always make Cornish hens. If she didn't, it, it was a tragedy in our family. Like, where are the Cornish hens with the delicious, yummy rice stuffed inside of it? And she also made stew <laughs> with these really broad, white noodles. And like, that's what we had. And, you know, maybe we would make a new salad or, or different side dish or something, but the staples always remain true. And the thing is, is we loved them and we came to expect them at, at that time of the year. And doing this is, is great because I think it creates like family memories. And, and I've talked about this before, but I think it creates like certain associations which are healthy and I think beautiful. But what it also does is it simplifies the process and it makes preparing for a holiday easier, better. I, I'm not sure exactly what the right word is there, but 
it makes it so that it's less stressful because you already, you know, in your muscle memory, know what to do. You know that it's chicken soup and matzo balls and Cornish hens and stew and, you know, maybe some extra rice and and some salads and that's it. And some dessert, obviously. Uh, but, but, but like that's, it, it's clear, like this is what you have to do. And what it does is it just, it takes the stress out of things. And that's what she taught me. She's like, it doesn't, it doesn't need to be new and fresh and exciting every single week. There's also something good about the routine, uh, and the ordinary, which makes things special sometimes. And, makes life easier and when you can get to the holiday table whatever holiday it is without being stressed out and feeling worn down that's a win and that's what she taught me you don't need to to feel that way to make something beautiful for your family and that's a huge organizational tool that she taught me a lot of a lot of how she organized herself I will probably never understand. She had this system of organized chaos. She had a place in the kitchen where she deposited all her paperwork. If she needed something, that's where it was. And while I don't necessarily ascribe to that system, it worked for her for for most of her life. Towards the end, it became a little more difficult when there were a lot more papers and a lot more things going on uh, that we needed to keep track of. And, and, And the truth is, though, Even though at the end she was struggling a little bit with her memory because she had uh, a brain tumor that had been removed and had a lot of radiation done to her brain and there were some memory issues. It was amazing to me how spot on she was with where most of her things were. Like she would say to me, this is the place where it is, go and get it for me. And most of the time that's where things were. Obviously there were aides in the house and people other people in the house who were trying to help and things got moved and some of the time she was wrong Uh, but I think that that was more of a functionality of so many people being in the house rather than that she didn't know where she put it it just got moved and I think that that's amazing that you know you can create the system for yourself and know where things are and I feel like I have that too but I feel like this is sounds a little uh, easier to follow, and uh, if someone's looking for something, they are more likely to find what they need because <laughs> it's categorized and you know filed and a little bit better organized. But the point is, is the system worked for her, and one of the things that she taught me was that everything has a place. There, if it, if you have something it lives somewhere or else it's you know you're never going to be able to find it and use it so we knew batteries were in this place the scissors were in that place stamps were in another place like we knew where things were and we were able to get to them and access them when we needed them because she made it set or she set it up so that we could access things when we needed them and there are some things that I wish I would have asked her <laughs> where they were because now we're going to have to go on a little bit of a treasure hunt to find certain things like her ketubah. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find it, but I don't know when and I don't know where it is. And 
you know, there were other things, documentations that, you know, I'll want to find, like, I didn't ask her, where's her birth certificate? And those are things we never talked about because, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily seem relevant at the time. One of the things we did talk about was who was going to get which items after she passed. And that was a great conversation because my sister just went into her closet, took the things and handed them to whoever was supposed to have them. And no one was fighting. And she made little packages for the stuff that was for me and my kids so that everything will be ready to go when when we're able to travel to the United States again. And you know, that's great and helpful. And there was no fighting. And everybody is like, yes, let's just do this as amicably as possible because we knew what my mom wanted. And that conversation uh, the first time felt weird and strange and like we shouldn't be having it. But in the end, having those conversations made it easy for us to do what she wanted and give everybody else what they wanted and that and that felt really nice to know that like I don't need to fight with my brother or my sister to decide because we've decided already and we've all agreed and that's it and it's great and it's nice and it's relieving because a lot of times I see people fighting with their siblings uh, about who should get what stuff and I just feel like what a terrible way to honor the person who has just died and if you can have these conversations with your parents in later years or at any time I feel like they're good conversations to have they might be awkward but uh, they're worthwhile um, certainly having conversations about where important documentation is is really important I think our kids know at least I hope they know you know that we keep all of our stuff in in one safe and anything else that is not necessarily critical will be in another place and they know where those things are and they see me filing and you know preparing and everything and so it, I think it's obvious to them where where things are there's one more thing I'd like to share with you about my mom and that is that in the end she suffered a lot like really a lot and for a long time and even though she was suffering she wanted to do things for other people and she did she was very very private person she didn't like people knowing you know, she she didn't tell a lot of people that she was sick and uh, a lot of people in the community didn't know and, and were surprised when she passed. Uh, but even till the very, almost the very end, she was really trying her best to do other things, to do things for other people. For example, uh, every day when she was in the hospital, they wrote the date on the board and one day I was talking to her on the phone and she said, oh my goodness, today's blah blah and it's your cousin's birthday and we have to call him because, you know, we have to call him. And I was shocked that she remembered and she was in the hospital suffering and she said, no, we just, we have to call him. You call him right now. We, at that point, we weren't allowed to see her because she was in isolation and 
So I was on the phone with her. She's like, you have to interplex me right now and make it happen. And we did. And we called. And that gave her so much joy doing things for other people. And I think that that is something that is... It's, you know, maybe it's in your nature that you just are generous and trying to do things for other people. And she, she was, she was, she was always trying to be generous. So here is what I'm asking from everybody today who's listening. If you could take it upon yourself in honor of the memory of my mom, Esther Batsara Vietzak to, I know it's Corona time and, you know, we can't necessarily have guests, but if you can, great. I'm not encouraging that because I'm not so sure how safe it is to have non-family members in your home and eating with other people, but reach out to someone, let them know that you're thinking about them, even if you can't be with them in her memory and be generous with other people because I feel like now, especially in the world, we need generosity and kindness. So if you can be generous with the people that you love, it doesn't necessarily have to be with money or with gifts. It just has to be your, you have to come from a place of service when you offer something like I'm doing this because I am grateful when people help me and I also want to help you. And this is something I can help you with, so I will. And if you can just pick one small thing that you can do in her memory this week or uh, even till the end of the 30-day Shloshim period, which ironically ends on Shiva Sarbatamu's, which is <laughs> a fast day anyways, but um, if you could just do one one thing, one generous thing, for somebody else, make someone else feel welcome in your community, reach out to someone who might be all alone. It will give her Nishama and Aliyah, I believe. And um, it's just a really great way, I think, to pay tribute to her. I would also really appreciate, um, and I want to publicly thank a few organizations that really helped us. The Biker Cholim of Baltimore, really came through for us when my mother was in the hospital last summer. They delivered meals for us. They made sure we had a refrigerator. Uh, and even though my mom wasn't able to eat a lot of the food, it gave her comfort that my father and I were, or whoever was sleeping with her, were taken care of while people were with her in the hospital. Um, at Johns Hopkins Hospital, they actually have a whole Beaker Cholim room, which saved us so many times on the days we took my mom to radiation and we forgot to bring lunches or we brought something, but we were still maybe hungry and we could go into the Beaker Cholim room and, and just take whatever food was there. And that was a really huge savior. So to Beaker Cholim of Baltimore, we appreciate you and we're so grateful. And if someone would like to make a donation in my mother's memory to Beaker Holem, you don't have to tell me that you did it. It can be totally anonymous. But if you're looking for a place to to donate this month, please uh, consider Beaker Holem of Baltimore and also the Jewish Social Services of Silver Spring who brought Meals on Wheels to my mom when she was sick. Um, it It's amazing to have kosher food delivered to your door and not have to worry about 
where the meal is coming from. All you have to do is just open the refrigerator and it's there. And the visitors who came in and sat with her when they delivered the meal and said hello to her brought such a smile to her face. And it was such a helpful and amazing service. So also JSSA of, of Silver Spring, that that's an amazing, amazing place to donate. And any organization that focuses on helping others is really just a great place to donate to and if you could do it in honor of my mother this this month when you're making your donation I would so 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 appreciate it again you don't have to tell me that you did it you don't have to send a card just you know have in mind that this is uh you know for her Esther Batsaravitzchak and um I'm 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 super appreciative. I'm super appreciative for all the phone calls I got, for all the emails that everybody sent me, for all the love that I got um during the Shiva and before the Shiva and after the Shiva. It's amazing and I feel so so supported and I feel super super loved. And I really just want to say that thank you and that I appreciate it. Thank you also for being patient with me while I was on hiatus for the last few months. Um, it was hard and I and I had so many intentions of making podcasts for everybody, but some days I just said to myself, what can I say that will bring anybody comfort? I was feeling so bad about the situation we were in about quarantine and being apart from my mother and that my mother was suffering and I just said, I can't offer anybody else comfort. And maybe I could have. I I don't know but every time I would sit down to say something it just didn't it didn't feel right it wasn't coming out right it just it wasn't wasn't right so thank you for being patient with me and and I appreciate the phone calls that I got asking me to come back because that made me feel like there were people who are listening to what I was saying and that my words have have value to them and that makes me feel like I am not talking into the abyss, which is a great feeling because talking into the abyss, sometimes I sit here and I'm recording and I'm in a, sitting in a closet, you know, I sit in a closet to help with the sound and I'm like all by myself sitting in a closet and I'm talking to myself for, you know, 30 minutes and I'm like, gosh, does anybody hear what I'm saying? And so when you say, call me up and say, we miss you, that means so, so much to me and I really am appreciative of those phone calls. God willing, over the next few weeks, we'll get back to more specific organizational topics. I have a lot of topics to cover that uh, listeners have called me up with and asked me to speak about. I hear you. If you left me a message, I heard it. (laughs) I'll do my best to get to it over the next few weeks and address it. Uh, and if you have something specific you'd like me to speak about, feel free to go ahead and leave another message. I will do my best to get to it as soon as possible. For now, I want to just leave you with this, these few thoughts. Small acts of kindness help other people. No matter how small they are, a text message, a phone call, those things help other people when they are struggling just to know that people are thinking about them makes them feel good. So if you know someone who may be struggling, or even if you don't know if they're struggling, 
and you're just thinking about them, just send a text message that says, I'm thinking about you or a phone call. I don't have a ton of time to talk, but I was just thinking about you and I just wanted to say hi. I hope you're doing okay. It will make someone's day. You don't have to be super organized to do that. You can take just a few minutes of your free time. And I realize now (laughs) how much time we waste. (laughs) And it's a shame that sometimes we don't really realize how much time we waste. And people always say to me, I don't have time. I don't have time. Here's the thing. If you make time to do that and make other people your priority sometimes, you will have the time. When people say to me, I don't have the time for something, it's because they don't really want to do it. They're not making time for it. So I encourage you, because of the way everything is today, to please find a time in your day to make time for other people. Look for some way to connect to other people because one thing that happened to me during Shiva that I realized was, you know, I really hadn't seen my friends in a really long time. (laughs) And, you know, obviously it's no fault of their own. That's the way that, you know, social distancing and quarantine goes. But the memories of, of your life are not necessarily made by that time you made a phone call. They're made from real social interactions. Remember that time that we went to blah, 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 and you have these memories of people. And, and what I realized from sitting Shiva is that most of the people who came to pay me a Shiva call did not know my mom because she didn't, when she visited here, us here in Israel, um, you know, we weren't necessarily hanging out with my friends. So most of the people did not know her, but a few of the people who did, maybe five out of the 75 people who, you know, came to visit me, although many of the people who called me on the phone knew her personally, obviously, but it was the stories, the memories that they had of my mom that made me so happy, like when people shared those stories with me. And I think that over our time, and we can discuss more how to do this, but over our life, it's those actual physical times that we're with people that build these memories and make times that are difficult, like Shiva, more bearable because you have these good, happy memories that other people are sharing with you. So I encourage you to please continue to make connections in as safe a way as possible and by whatever rules that you have going on in your community right now. But obviously you need to be safe and you need to be thoughtful about how you do this. But for the future, let's create this new normal for ourselves where we focus on making time for other people. Because really, that in essence is is the point of being here is to be with other people and encourage them and help them grow and give them memories and be there for them in their time of need. And we don't always know who's in need, but sometimes just having a cup of coffee with a friend makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I hope God willing to get back to more specific organizational topics over the next few weeks, as I mentioned earlier. If you need me, if you need my help with getting organized, please don't hesitate to reach out. Now is the time to get everything in your life the way that you want it. My mom always said, 
Your house should be like your palace. When you walk into your house, you should feel calm. You should feel relief. You should feel amazing and you should be proud of your home. If you don't feel proud of your home, if you don't feel calm, if you don't like the way your home looks, please, please call me. And to give my mom's Neshama Nelia, let's make your home super, super beautiful. Let's make your home organized. Let's make your home the home that you love. There's a lot of ways that we can work together. So please, 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 please reach out to me because there's no point in wasting time. Make your home accessible for yourself now. Make yourself the home that you love now and enjoy it while you can because that was honestly one of my mom's greatest joys and it would be such a chesed to her, such a kindness to her if you also got your home the way that you wanted it. Cleared out the clutter, made it easy for your kids when they have to clear out your house. Um, Please, you're not alone. I'm here to help you. For now, I'm wishing you all a great week and happy organizing. Thanks for listening to the Journey to Organization podcast. You can find Rebecca on Twitter and Instagram at BalaGonBegon and on Pinterest as Rebecca Saltzman. Visit BalaGonBegon.com for resources and to join the mailing list to get podcast updates.